What's up? It's your boy, Ruby Rube, coming at you from the Gathering Strength Podcast. Fieris y quidit eundo, we gather strength as we go. Hailing out of the beautiful, gorgeous, and expensive Livermore, California. Now once again, like always, I don't have too much time. You don't have too much time. We got things to do, places to be, dinner to make, and I don't want to keep you any longer than what's necessary. So let's go onward to the word of the day. Now the word of the day is trauma. Now I am going to be tying this word into the meat and potatoes because there's a lot of trauma in today's episode. And it is important to understand the truest definition of the word trauma. And like always, when you start to understand the truest, most fundamental aspect of these words, it helps us to obtain a firmer grasp on reality. And who knows, you might even discover a word that can help unlock an emotion in which it currently resides in the fog. And you already know, your boy Ruby Rube wants you to have that buff body, that buff bank, that buff mind, and that buff spirit. So we acquire all of these little things that equate to strength. And over time, our strength has grown substantially. So, the word of the day is trauma. The definition of trauma a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. How do you define trauma? Oh, hey, well, I'm glad you asked. Trauma is a pervasive problem. It results from exposure to an incident or series of events that are emotionally disturbing or life-threatening with lasting adverse effects on the individual's functioning and mental, physical, social, emotional, and or spiritual well-being. And guess what? Nobody, I repeat, nobody escapes life without experiencing trauma. If you're one of the people who say, hey, Ruby Rube, I haven't experienced any trauma. I'm all good. To that, I'm going to say nay. And you're probably blind probably haven't reflected enough on your life and therefore that trauma remains in the fog and until you can identify the things that have left you with a traumatic experience according to the definition it is going to have a adverse effect on the individual's functioning and mental physical social emotional and or spiritual well-being. Are you a little bit overweight? You probably have some unresolved trauma. Maybe you have some daddy issues. Drinking too much alcohol? You know what? You probably have been pre-programmed. Smoking too much weed? Hitting the bong and the blunt too much? Doing all sorts of things. All of the vices. All of the numbing agents. Everything that we do is in an effort to numb and dull down the heaviness of life's trauma. Now, it has been something that I have recently learned about trauma. 
and it's something that I have observed in my life and in other people's lives. It is the inability to healthily cope with your trauma that dictates how much satisfaction, how much well-being, how much overall health that you have. And this is one of the reasons that I have created a, a podcast because if you don't deal with your trauma, you're not going to have that buff body, that buff bank, that buff mind, and that buff spirit. Something is going to be lacking. Something is going to be diminished. And until you can identify the trauma that you have been through and take the necessary steps to heal yourself, all of those things are going to be lacking. Your money is going to be lacking. Your spirit is going to be lacking. Your relationships, your, did I already say body? Your body, you're going to be doing something to fill a hole within your heart that can't be filled with anything other than thorough healing. And however you find that thorough healing, whether it is a therapist, finding a new hobby, being like Elsa and letting it go, forgiveness, praying to God, the universe, your lucky rabbit's foot, whatever it is, that trauma all has to be dredged up and dealt with. And I get it. It's not fun dealing with trauma. There are so many other things that we would rather do like roll up another joint, pack up another bowl, take another hit, eat another donut, have another slice of cake, watch another Netflix series. All of those things. Everything that distracts us from our truest form of self-expression to where we are now thriving instead of surviving. Everything is a distraction. And like I said, it is hard. It is no fun to take out the excavator and dig into yourself. But, it, you know, it's one of those things. Nobody's going to do it for you. Nobody can hold the mirror up to your face long enough for you to see. For you to keep looking and ultimately removing the fog. You're going to have to put in some work. Sorry, I don't make the rules. I'm just reporting on things and you decide. You can continue on the path that you're on and live with all the weaknesses and inadequacies that you have. Or you can deal with it. Like this book that I'm going to be talking about in the meat and potatoes. So, once again, the word of the day is trauma. I already gave you the definition and I already enlightened you on on some of the aspects how trauma can affect you. So, man, go ahead, pull out the mirror, stare into it, and reflect. Onward from the word of the day and in to the meat and potatoes. Now, I call this part of the podcast the meat and potatoes because it is going to put some meat on your bones. It is going to put some hair on your chest. It's going to make your balls drop a little bit. And now you're going to be walking around with a little bit of a deeper voice. A little bit more vascular. A little bit more 
until you're pushing your pull. Oh yeah, the meat and potatoes subject of today's podcast is another audiobook that I listen to. Now, you already know your boy Ruby Rube loves to learn. I'm a lifelong learner, and I have the privilege and the luxury of listening to all types of audiobooks while I'm at work. Last year, I listened to like probably about like 115 books last year, ranging from everything from finances to philosophy to murder mysteries to fiction, nonfiction, too many to list. Maybe I will make a podcast episode that talks specifically on all of the books that I was able to consume. And yeah, you know, rather than listening to the radio or to gossip news or to the news in general, man, I'm using that time to stimulate my mind to get me to think, get me to think new thoughts. And it really helps me with my perspective and understanding a little bit more of how the world works. Because if you aren't consistently learning, and if you just have the mindset that all you know is all that needs to be known, then I think that you're lacking something. You're lacking some insight on how all of the greats work, on how all of the greats from the past worked. And one aspect that they all have in common is that they were lifelong learners. And how do you know what you know is right until you are indeed proved wrong? So I don't have it all figured out, and that's why I like to learn. Because you never know when you might hear a certain quote or learn of a a new story or find out something that you didn't know. And it could potentially change the trajectory of your life. And all of the things that I have learned incrementally all throughout my life led me to this good foundational situation that I currently find myself in. And my eye is always out on the horizon. And the things that I do today are going to get me to where, hey, in three months, five months, six months, six years from now, I'm going to be in a better situation than where I'm currently at. And, and you know what? Right now, I'm in a good position. So what does the future look like for your lifelong learning podcasting pal, Ruby Rube? Oh, yeah. I'm going to be getting it in. And that's one of my aims for this podcast is to hopefully sow a little seed of curiosity and learning and all of the different ways that we can accumulate these types of strengths because strength is not all about lifting heavy ass weight or running hella far hella fast nope there are all types of different strengths hence the name of my podcast gathering strength so come with me let's dive into this book and let's gather our strength now i discovered this book it was recommended to me based on the Amazon Audible's algorithm. You know, those algorithms, they know you better than you know yourself. And for the longest time, I was just uh, skipping and I was skipping over this book because, I don't know, this, this girl, I know her from 
It was like a children's television show. Her name is Jeanette McCurdy, and she was in a children's TV show called iCarly. Now, I didn't watch the show, but I have younger kids, nieces, and nephews. And, you know, this show would be on, and I would see her commercial. And she was on Nickelodeon, the Disney Channel. She was she was a, 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 a big mover and shaker back in the day. But what caught my eye and my curiosity was the title of the book. The title of the book is called, I'm Glad My Mom Died. I was like, hmm, that's interesting. And on the cover of the book, there she's wearing this pink sweater. It's a pink background, and she has a pink yearn. And she's just smiling happily. And so I'm like, what is this about? So curiosity finally killed the cat in my mind. And I downloaded this book, and I listened to it. It was about seven hours long. And I always put the speed up a little bit faster because once again I don't have all, all day even though I'm working I don't want to spend seven hours listening to a book so I'll, I will speed it up to about 1.45 times the, the normal speed I think the longest book that I listened to was maybe like 20 hours I forget what that book was but I earned a Mount Everest badge from Audible and that, that, that got me excited So this book by Jeanette McCurdy, I'm glad my mom died. Let's dive into it. Some of the key takeaways that I learned from this book, once again, child stars, they're messed up in the head. I don't want to say all of them, but damn near all of these child stars are forced into it. Jeanette McCurdy, she's not the exception. Now, when you would see her show on the Nickelodeon channel and the Disney channel, those are like the highest production stations that you can find yourself on. They have the best everything. The best lighting, videography, wardrobe, makeup, setting, characters, everything. Their, their, their production budget is limitless, and they throw tons of money at, at making these shows. And so when I learned of this, of this young lady's situation and circumstances when she was talking about her experiences, I was like, man, you could not tell that that little girl on screen was tormented. Because there she was, she was acting, she was smiling, she had the makeup on, she was telling jokes, she was going to award shows. All of these things that fame and stardom brings, she was not happy. And once again, over here at Gathering Strength, this Gathering Strength podcast, my aim is to let you know that, hey, everything that you have You have abundance. You don't need the lights, the glitz, the glamour. It sounds like fun. Maybe for like a week or two. But after that, man, you do not want to pay that price. So Jeanette McCurdy, she started acting when she was really young. 
Her mother, Jeanette McCurdy, tells a story of how she was fighting with her father. They were arguing. And the mother was speaking badly of the father. The father was kind of a pushover. And the mother was talking about how she could have married a doctor, a lawyer, an actor. I guess her mom was was kind of hot back in the day. And she wanted to be an actress, but she ended up getting pregnant. And you know how, how that story goes. Uh, she was never able to get back into acting because, hey, duty calls. Your motherly duties, they, they, they call sometimes. And if you're not able to find your footing and get things back to how, how they were, then, hey, you can give up on your dreams if, if you're not disciplined or don't see a way to do it. Such was the case for Jeanette McCurdy's mother. And so that is when Jeanette McCurdy's mother put the little light bulb in Jeanette McCurdy's mind like, hey, you want to be mommy's little actress? And Jeanette McCurdy, she really emphasizes on how much she loved her mother, how much she wanted to please her, how much she felt that it was her job to make her mother happy at all costs. So whenever her mom would have a mental breakdown, whenever she would cry in front of you know the family after fighting with the father, Jeanette McCurdy felt that it was her job to cheer up her mom. So she would sing and dance for her and try to get her to laugh. And Jeanette McCurdy on her Nickelodeon and Disney channels uh, she was a charismatic little girl. And so the mother, the mother saw that, you know, a cute little white girl. And so there they are now. She has implanted the thought that, hey, we're going to be mommy's little actress. And then they start going to the casting calls. And then they start doing the auditions. And uh, she's able to land some roles. And that slowly snowballs up to where now she is landing in commercials, small roles, but they're starting to exhaust Jeanette McCurdy, and there's a point where it's no longer fun, because after all, what kid wants to be stuck on a movie set for hours and hours? You know, these kids, they want to go out and play, but not when you have one of these these uh, glamour moms, one of these dance moms, one of these Hollywood parents who are trying to live out their dreams through their children. Because after all, Jeanette McCurdy's mother, she's the one who had the aspirations and the dreams to become a actress. Not Jeanette McCurdy, but the mom was like, light bulb, you're going to be mommy's little actress. So here's an excerpt from the book. So Jeanette McCurdy, she just exited set, and she was still small at this time. She recalls that she was small enough to be sitting in a booster seat. And the book, she, she writes, I don't want to act anymore. I say before I even realize I've said it. Mom looks at me in the rearview mirror. A mixture of shock and disappointment fills her eyes. I immediately regret saying anything. Don't be silly. You love acting. It's your favorite thing in the world, Mom says in a way that makes it sound like a threat. Sheesh. 
I look out the window. The part of me that wants to please her thinks maybe she's right. Maybe it is my favorite thing and I just don't know it. I just don't realize it. But the part of me that doesn't want to cry on cue, that doesn't want to act, that doesn't care about pleasing my mom and just wants to please me, that part of me screams at me to speak up. My face gets hot, compelling me to say nothing. So check this out. I guess in the Hollywood industry, if you are a a child and you can cry on cue, then you are golden. Uh, For example, like that little Haley Joel Osment kid and Dakota Fanning. Um, In that one movie with Bruce Willis, I forget what it's called, but he has that one line, I see dead people. That Haley Joel Osment kid, he was able to cry on cue. So he was able to get his foot in the door. And this Jeanette McCurdy girl, she was able to cry on cue too. But she said that the way that she was able to cry on cue is that her mother... So check this out. This is where it starts to get really twisted. Her mother had cancer and almost died a handful of times during Jeanette McCurdy's upbringing. And and that, that was something that Jeanette McCurdy used to make her herself cry. She would think about her mother dying, about how she would never see her mom anymore, about seeing her mom sick, and that would get the tears flowing. So she had to do that over and over for these acting roles. And that is why Jeanette McCurdy says that. uh, um, But the part of me that doesn't want to cry on cue because she didn't want to cry on cue because it was exhausting her. It was mentally messing with her but the mom was like oh don't be silly you love acting it's your favorite thing in the world so the mom is trying to brainwash her into like hey these are your thoughts the thoughts that you're feeling those aren't your thoughts these are your thoughts mother knows best the devouring mother so Jeanette McCurdy she was a little girl she couldn't speak up because she was a child but not you and me we are adults but we can also feel the need to please other people someone asks you to do something that you don't want to do but you're a people pleasing type person now you're going to be taking on unnecessary stress it's going to be a distraction from your highest value it's going to be miserable while you're doing it and if you do that day after day after day that's going to add up to a crappy life and now because you're doing all of these things that you don't want to do you're missing out on your truest form of self-expression and you're trying to please all these other people That is not how you add up and gather your strength. That is how you start to accumulate all these weaknesses, all these resentments, all of these annoyances that diminish. And if you allow that to continually happen, it will extinguish your internal spirit. At the Gathering Strength Podcast, your boy Ruby Rube wants you to have a buff spirit. So we're going to have to have a backbone to be able to stand up to the people who will dictate what we do in life, who will dictate where we're supposed to go. If we don't stand up and advocate for ourselves, 
other people will do it. So it's going to take some time to reflect on what do we want from our lives, where do we want to go, and is what is being asked of me, is that in alignment with what I want to do? If it's not, then the answer to their inquiries are going to be no. But hey, that's going to take some vulnerability. They might not like you. You need to be all right with that. They might try to manipulate you like Jeanette McCurdy's mother. Oh yeah, so we need to be brave. We need to be able to have a backbone. We need to be able to stand up to these people. Because if we don't know where we're going, there's going to be some other people who will gladly show us our way. So Jeanette McCurdy, she continues to write. No, I really don't want to. I don't like it. It makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to act anymore. Mom's face looks like she just ate a lemon. It contorts in a way that terrifies me. I know what's coming next. You can't quit, she she sobs. This was our chance. This was our chance. She bangs on the steering wheel, accidentally hitting the horn. Mascara trickles down her cheeks. She's hysterical, like I was in the Hollywood homicide audition. Her hysteria frightens me and demands to be taken care of. Never mind, I say loudly so mom can hear it through her sobs. Her crying stops immediately, except for one leftover sniffle. But as soon as that sniffle is over, it's completely silent. I'm the only one who can cry. Or I'm not the only one who can cry on cue. Sheesh! Man, so her mother just threw a hysterical hissy fit because she knows that her daughter wants to make mommy happy and that a emotional outburst is going to get Jeanette McCurdy to make mommy happy. And just as Jeanette McCurdy can make herself cry, she just realized that her mother can make herself cry too. Man, this is just one little story. There are so many fascinating things. You know what? I'm going to share one more, one more story. So here is another disturbing story from the book, I'm Glad My Mother's Dead by Jeanette McCurdy. At the age of 11 years old, Jeanette McCurdy's mom taught her um, about anorexia. And she says, it became our secret. So at 11 years old, Jeanette McCurdy, she starts to develop, I guess, a little bit of a womanly body. Uh, She starts to develop little breast buds, whatever those are. But um, one of the key attributes that made Jeanette McCurdy desirable to the Hollywood industry was that she looked like a little girl, a young little girl. And hey, the mom was thinking, how are we going to continue to get these children roles when you're over here growing boobies? Uh, You can't develop a womanly body because if you do that, I don't know if there's going to be any more roles for us. So, hey, let's reduce our our caloric intake and let's, let's try to put off developing. So here are some excerpts from Jeanette McCurdy who had humongous eating disorder that was a huge 
contributor into her mental disorder and her mental dysphoria as it pertained to just her overall being. It encompassed her entire life greatly. So here's an excerpt. I feel for anybody who relates to this. It's quite unfortunate, but my mom taught me anorexia. She taught me calorie restriction when I was 11 years old. Um, I I had felt a lump in my breast at that, and I thought, oh well, my mom has cancer, I'm probably getting cancer. And she said, no, that's not cancer, that's just boobies. And I said, well, can I stop boobies from happening? I don't want boobies. I don't want to grow up. So once again, this is coming from a little girl. And I knew that my mom really wanted me to stay young. She really, really made that clear to me, she continued. She would sob and really clutch me intensely and say, I don't want my baby to grow up. And I knew me growing up would mean us separating. And I didn't want that to happen. So I asked if there was a way that I could stop the boobies from coming in. And she told me, well, there's this thing called calorie restriction. As, as disturbing as it is, she and her mother bonded by turning to a calorie restriction, viewing it as their personal secret. We were just in the disease, in the sickness, but there was a connection that the sickness created that I, of course, couldn't see at the time, she said. So how sick is that? That you as a parent are going to bond with your child over anorexia. Sickening, right? You know, it doesn't need to be anorexia. You can be a parent who is um, smoking blunts with your kid. You can be a parent who's drinking beers with your kid when they're when they're not of age. That is just a perpetual cycle who that is going to ingrain a bad behavior into your child. So Jeanette McCurdy, she would recall how she would eat something and then she'd go up into the bathroom and purge and throw it up. And she would just do that over and over until she became super sick, very weak, and she had this one purging episode to where she was throwing up so hard at the back of her molar popped out of her mouth and I guess if you consistently do that the bile from your stomach weakens the enamel from your teeth and I guess you're susceptible to puke out a tooth so fascinating stuff the mother was vicariously living through her tormented daughter and ingrained in her unhealthy eating habits which stuck with her for many years. Jeanette McCurdy uh, she seems to have had a grip on it at the the time of writing this. She ends the book with, you know, in in a better place and I couldn't imagine. Some of the key takeaways from this book that once again just reaffirmed some of the things that I already knew is one, 
money doesn't buy you happiness because Jeanette McCurdy was making a lot of money. Two, just because you are a parent doesn't mean that you are a good parent. And the issues that us parents have that we don't figure out and solve, they're going to be passed down to our children. Doesn't matter whether it's alcoholism, violence, being stubborn, eating disorders, being a, a, a debtor, being a thief, a liar. All of these things, all of these weaknesses, these inadequacies that we knowingly accept and continue to take part on, our children are going to inherit them. There's a biblical scripture, and even proven by science through rats. Uh, The biblical scripture is, The parents eat sour grapes and the children's teeth are set on edge. And it even goes to be proven with rat studies where the rats, the female mother rats who are exposed to trauma, uh, who are exposed to, you know, loud noises, traumatic experiences, their offspring have a higher propensity to be like high strung, to be stressed all day, to exhibit uh, poor social behaviors. And not even just through rats, but women who are who are given birth in like third world countries, or even like the the women who were studied during the 9/11 hour, or the 9/11 situation in New York. There's a bunch of mothers who had babies about that time, and they were stressed out and this and that. And yeah, they're currently studying a bunch of those kids, and a bunch of those kids have. Uh, cognitive mental disorders, whether they're high strung, anxiety, depressed, for reasons that the kids don't even know. Turns out that they just inherited them because the mothers are going to pass on all of these characteristics that help soothe the baby whenever they're born into the environment that they're going to be able to, hey, fight or flight. In a little bit better fashion. So they're born to be able to survive the environment that they are in a little bit better. Another thing that I learned from this book is that, hey, just because you seemingly have it all, you know, the money, the fortune, the fame, that is nothing without your mental and your spiritual fitness because all of that stuff is nothing. There was a story that Jeanette McCurdy recalls where she was offered like $300,000 to sign on for another show, but she refused it because she knew what it was going to do to her mental health. Hey, and you know what? $300,000? Yes, that is a lot of money. But what is it to gain the world if you lose your soul? You lose your mindset. You lose your perspective. You lose your reality. Is that worth $300,000? You might say yes. But after the money's gone 
and your life is in ruin and, and you are standing before a pile of ashes? I don't know. Is it worth, is it worth that? Nope. I know, I'm sure that there has been people who have turned down much bigger piles of money because they knew that it was going to be a detriment to their family, to their health, to their overall well-being. And once again, this is why I love to learn from all types of people's stories. Whether it's Benjamin Franklin, Booker T. Washington, Steve Jobs, or Jeanette McCurdy. Fascinating stuff. So when I learn stuff like this, it puts my my compass in alignment with Hey, these things that I need, I have it all. I have it all. And I don't need more money. I don't need more... I'm not going to say fame. I have no fame. But that's not something that I'm trying to pursue. There are some people who who are out there who want to go big time. Who want to go, you know, to the next level of stardom and fame. And when they get there... All of these problems are going to be waiting there for them. Heavy is the head that wears the crown. So check out this book. It it was a a great listen um, throughout the the whole time. So if you're into stuff like that, I would recommend this book tremendously. If you made it to the end of this podcast, thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to give me a like, a subscribe, share me with your friend, and give me a little follow. Until next time, it is onward. Always onward.